Um, every day counts. And um, we're going to continue this morning on John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus responded and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born again. Born can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which has been born of the flesh is flesh, and that which has been born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So is everyone who has been born of the Spirit. Nicodemus responded and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, You are the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you people do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the man of, Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes will have eternal life. I'm going to skip down to verse 22. <clears throat> After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he was spending time <clears throat> with... And there he was spending time with them and baptizing. Verse 23. Now John also was baptizing. It's like the machines are fasting too. <laughs> they're, they're grumbling. Um, now John also was baptizing in Anan near Salim because there was an abundance of water there and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Verse 25. Then a matter of dispute developed on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who was he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all the people are coming to him. John replied, A person can receive not even one thing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the friend of the groom, who stands and listens to him, rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. <clears throat> so we're introduced this morning to an individual named Nicodemus. Some of you may be familiar with that name. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. He was the most respected religious leader in the community. Um, 
leader of a 70-member Sanhedrin, a religious group of leaders. He comes to Jesus under the cover of night. He comes to meet Jesus not in the day, but in the night. John is continuing to uh, use the language of darkness and light, light and dark. And once again, uh, uh, you know, as he's teaching about the light, Jesus is the light. Then in the darkness, Nicodemus comes. He's the teacher. He's respected. Yet he's in darkness. He doesn't have this understanding. He doesn't have this knowledge. And so he comes to Jesus. Some scholars think that he came as a spy. Uh, most believe that he didn't, that he was genuine. You know, he, 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 uh, he admits that Jesus is a teacher. He admits that, he's, that Jesus is doing uh, heavenly things he cannot deny. You know, for all that Nicodemus knows, for all that he's been taught, for all that he's been trained in all the traditions, in all his knowledge of the scriptures, yet he sees this man who's so radical, so revolutionary, and the power of God seems to be working through him. And so, but at the same time, he's going against all the traditions and all the culture and all the things that he's used to. And so he, he doesn't know what's going on. And so he finally, he can't help but to, you know, there's this struggle in his heart. There's this struggle and battle in his mind. Finally, he goes out to seek Jesus. Uh, uh, many refer to him as the secret disciple uh, who would stay sort of undercover and behind the scenes. At one point, he would defend Jesus in front of the whole Sanhedrin. And so you see this incredible journey and process of a man sort of on the outer fringes, questioning, who then at one point something turns in his heart. And I, I got to find out for myself. I, I mean, I know what these people said. I know what these people said. I know what I see. But I got to find out for myself. And that's the turning point where Nicodemus says, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet him. I'm going to carve out some time. I'm going to cut out this time in the evening. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to inquire of him. I'm going to seek him. And I'm going to ask him. And that's what Nicodemus does. And you see this process of uh, development or his faith sort of coming out. And eventually, ultimately, in the crucifixion of Christ, then he boldly comes out and he helps to, uh, with Joseph of Arimathea, uh, makes a public declaration um, it's not afraid of the government or of his peers and, uh, and comes, out, comes out of the closet, so to say, as a secret disciple. Um, this is the passage. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a famous uh, uh, evangelist, preacher uh, um, of another generation, he says of John chapter 3, if you, if you want to think of a verse or a chapter to read to someone who's dying on their deathbed, this is the chapter that you, that you read. John chapter 3. This is the chapter that answers the question. The question of all questions. The, the question of the ages. You know, how does one get saved? You know, even as God revealed himself to Moses uh, or, or, and Abraham and Noah, and even as God revealed his laws and his truths and his attributes, um, you know, and even as Israel as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a community, as a people, tried to follow God and tried to follow his, follow his laws and I don't know if you guys were here in the, uh, uh, November, December, we covered the covenants. And so it kind of gives you this blueprint of God's you know, master plan. And even in spite of all that and them trying to follow, you know, they would stumble and, and struggle. But they're trying to obey the, the heart of God. They're trying to obey the laws of God. They're trying to you know, come into alignment with, with the, the value systems, the, the, the value systems of, of the kingdom of God and how to treat people and how to treat the world and how to, how to do business and things like that. And, and so it, that it permeates all walks of life. But even, even up to then, even after all the prophets, all the judges, all the messages, all the scriptures, 
they still come to this point and they still struggle with this question, how is one saved? How do I know? How do I uh, gain eternal, eternal life and eternal heaven? And so this is that chapter. This is John chapter 3. Nicodemus is asking, how can a person be born again? Right? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's the question of all questions. How, in other words, how can I start again? How can I start from the beginning? How does one, you know, how does one receive a second chance? You know, you've, you've lived your life up to a certain point, And at this stage in our life, you know, some of you guys are still really young. Well, actually, all of you guys are wonderfully still young, right? Um, some of us are more, more wise is, is probably the word I'll use, right? And, and, and I'm sure all of us, even at this stage in our lives, have wondered, what if I had done this differently? What if I have made a different choice? What, would my life look different today if I hadn't done, made some of these choices that I made so many years ago? And, and no doubt, you know, we, we carry around with us some doubt, some, some regret, some questions. Um, and especially if we've uh, uh, affected or hurt other people, or, or even, if you've, even if you've, like Nicodemus, lived a lifetime pursuing truth, you know, pursuing goodness, and yet, for this guy, think about this, the, the religious leader of leaders, a Pharisee, the, the most respected religious leader, for all of his attempts to follow the, the rules, for all of his attempts to do what he believes, genuinely and truthfully, he genuinely and truthfully believed that all that he had committed his life to was pleasing to God. But the reality is, is him, just like Apostle Paul, who is fervent, on fire, for God and for the law, when Jesus calls out his name, Paul has no idea who God is. And so Nicodemus is here, and he's basically saying, I've been following the law and the, and the teachings of God my whole life, you know, you know uh, by tradition and, and by the law, and there's still something missing. That's what Nicodemus is saying. He said, I've been doing it right my whole life, and I, there's still something deeply missing. And the fact that God shows up and does all these miracles and signs and wonders. And, 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 and there's something in Nicodemus that is drawn to Jesus. Even though everything on paper and around him feels like it, it should be the opposite. And so he comes and he inquires and he asks. And Jesus responds, you have to be born again. You have to have faith like a child. There was, a, there was a time, every single one of you, every single one of you, I don't know if you can remember it, right? It's, you know, it's, it's almost like I've lived three or four lifetimes, quite frankly. Like, I, I, I'm in this zone now of parenthood and whatnot, and I feel like I've been here for about 200 years. <laughs> it just feels like forever. And I know that it passes soon, and, and I know there's going to be a time where I look back, and I'm going to think, like, oh, wow, I wish I had more time. But then when I try to look back and... and, and you know, there was a time when I was, I was a uh, children's pastor and, and I was hired as a children's pastor and I loved doing children's ministry. And I was that guy that I could be in a room of like a hundred people and there'd be one kid and I would see that kid. Like, like I, I didn't connect with adults. I connected, I, I would just see the kid. I would see their world. I would see how they see things. I would I'd perceive things and, 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 and I would go straight to them like a beeline. And, and I was the guy who would always pick up the kid. I was 18 year old, year old, 19 year old, 20 year old, you know, wanted to have tons of kids. 
I actually do have tons of kids. And, uh, and I would carry them, and I, and, I, and I would do VBS, Vacation Bible School, retreats, and, and just everything with kids. And what God is saying is, like, we walk this life, we follow to, to a certain point, you know, what our parents say is good, what is valuable. We, we, we kind of, you know, tie to that umbilical cord. And then, and then, and then we're kind of released, and then we've adopted these value systems of the world, the school system, uh, culture. And, and then we just get, you know, sort of jaded. We, we're, we're, we're kind of stuck in this mode. And I think God is saying, man, there's so much delight. There's so much joy. There's so much of your heart, you know, connected with the Father and His love. You know, there's so much peace. There's so much presence. But in order to access and to unlock that, you have to have this faith like a child. It's, it's, it's one of the most incredible things to see a grown man or a grown woman, to have that delight, to have that joy. It's one of the things that attract people to the kingdom. When you see someone at our stage and in our age in life, and yet they're not bound by the things of the world, they're not, they're not defined by the successes or, or, or the value systems of the world, and yet there's this delight, there's this joy, there's this freedom, there's this love, there's this grace, there's this patience, and you know that that person has tapped into something otherworldly. And this is some of what Jesus is talking about. In order to truly see the kingdom of God. We talk about the kingdom of God. We talk about our God and Savior. But in order to truly see and experience, what he's saying is, in a way, you have to dump all the value systems. And, and, and I'll go as far as to say, the things that made you successful in the world today are not the things that make you successful in the kingdom of God. And yet we put such a premium and such a value on that. And we spend so much of our time in our workplace, you know, operating in, in these value systems. And God is saying no. Jesus is saying no. Nicodemus, even you, even in, in, your, in, 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 in seemingly the highest endeavor, those of spiritual things and religious matters, even you, even your system has been influenced by the value systems of the world. And I'll take you... Uh, uh, to verses 25, and this is fascinating. This is fascinating. When I read this, I was like, what is going on? You have John the Baptist, another religious leader, another person that people look up to, another people that people were coming to and valued and were being baptized, and he was baptizing for repentance. And, and you'll find a few of these passages through the New Testament, and, and I, usually I just kind of gloss by them, you know, it, because the main point of John the Baptist is just to introduce Jesus. But then if you look, take a little bit closer look, there's a little bit of politicking going on. There's a little bit of the influence of the world and the value systems of the world kind of permeating even into, even into the man who Jesus says, you know, is, there's no one more, is it more humble or, 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 or more righteous. And, 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 you know, and, and, and Jesus says, well, even you, I, I, I'm not even worthy to untie... Uh, uh, you know, to baptize him. And so even in Jesus's, or sorry, John the Baptist's camp, another religious leader. So in, the, in this account, you have two religious leaders and one coming and asking, how, how do I really uh, be saved? How do I experience the kingdom of God? How do I enter the kingdom of God? And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, even you in your religious endeavors and spiritual endeavors, the, the value systems of the world have permeated. And, and then if you take a look at John the Baptist, um, it says in verse 22, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and there he was spending time with them baptizing. So Jesus comes 
and, and starts baptizing people. Now, verse 23, now John also was baptizing. And so I have a, I have a, I have a lot of questions here. You know, if, if John knows that Jesus is the Messiah and, 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 and John knows that he is to show the way and then Jesus is to come and then he's so, support, so, so, you know, supposed to get out of the way, you know, why, why is John continue, continuing to baptize people? Why hasn't John and his disciples fully come under and submitted and come in alignment with Jesus and his movement? It seem, seemingly at this stage, there seems like there's still two movements happening. To the point where John, the Baptist disciples, um, come to John and there's a dispute. And they came and says, Rabbi, he, referring to Jesus, who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all the people are coming to him. <laughs> so you kind of see a little bit of this like, hey, why are all the people going to him now? Right? And so there seems to be this transition and, and, and so even in the followers and disciples, there's this like hierarchy. There's this like value system. You know, more is better. And you know, Jesus comes on the scene and says, no, less is better. Right? With less, I can do more. Uh, and, he, and he flips everything upside down, whether that's a handful of fish and a, and a few loaves. With that, he feeds, you know, uh, 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 3,000. With even fewer fish and even fewer loaves, he feeds 5,000. And so in the kingdom of God, it's not about how much education you have. It's not about how much... Uh, 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 resources you have. It's not about how much influence and status you have, right? In the kingdom of God, it's, 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 this, it's this coming to this place as a child where our full reliance is in God and in the things of heaven. And so <laughs> the invitation for Jesus to Nicodemus to have a second chance to have a new life, to have a new beginning, to be birthed in the way that we're birthed physically, biologically into the world, spiritually to be birthed into this world, but in the kingdom of God and to literally see things the way God sees things, to perceive things, not materially or physically or politically, but in the way that God sees things. And then for God to give us insight and wisdom and direction. And um, this is the type of heart that God is able to bring revelation. This is the type of heart that God is able to bring a revelation of himself. We can see and we can experience the personal God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. But we have to have faith. We have to be born again. And so Jesus talks about, uh, eventually, um, you know, he would go to the cross, crucifixion, and, and any, anyone who would call and believe on the name of Jesus would be saved. He says you have to be born of water and of the Spirit. And then finally, and I'll wrap up with this this morning, um, in verse 30, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. I look at the, the ministry of John the Baptist and, and his disciples, and uh, one of the things that I really take away from this this morning, and I want to encourage you as we close, whether if you're in a ministry, if you have a certain gifting in ministry, I think you can even apply this to children. If you're a parent, if you're a, a, a director in the marketplace, if you have a position of influence, uh, in leadership, this this is the takeaway from 
from this, this passage here about John. And John says, I must uh, uh, decrease and he must increase. You must serve faithfully, whether in a various ministry, whether as a parent, whether in your job, whether in a, a position of influence. I think, I think leaders, good leaders understand this. You must serve faithfully, diligently. But every good leader knows that, that you have to leave the ministry or the area of service so that it's not fully dependent on you. Like my, my, my desire, whether it was a children's ministry in Hong Kong when I was pastoring there, whether it was the, the lead pastor in Beijing, there was a point where I knew that the leadership and the people, even in my absence, could continue to thrive. And if I didn't have confidence in that, then that would be a big deterrent for me uh, making a commitment to move forward elsewhere. And so, listen, brothers and sisters, wherever God has given you gifting, wherever God has given you uh, uh, influence, you must leave the ministry so that it can succeed even without you. If it is dependent on you, if it relies solely on you, you must leave it so that ultimately they will remember Jesus and not you. Any ministry, no matter how gifted you or I am, at the end of the day must be remembered because of Jesus, not because of you. And so that's, you could say, that's like a, you know, one of the things I love to do. I love to disappear in a, in a good way. <laughs> in fact... In fact, if you know me, I, I'm not, I, I don't like, uh, you know, the, the, the spotlight. I, I'm always, I like to be in the background and I like to put people and, and, and build them up and encourage them and strengthen them. And, and a, lot of, a lot of that has to do with, the, you know, like our, our lay preaching team as well. You know, I, I see these guys, uh, um, you know, in the future. I see them not as they are now. I, I don't even see them as they are in five years. I see them as they are in 15, 10 years, 10, 15 years. And I see you guys coming alongside our lay preachers, our lay pastors, our lay leaders, saying, man, I was there when they first started. It was interesting. <laughs> they, were, they were awesome. God moved. And, and then later to see them gifted and in power, preaching and ministering and, and, and moving. Um, you you got to have that kind of faith. Uh, you got to see things that you can't see. You got to uh, uh, believe things that can't be rationalized. And that only in the Spirit of God. Listen. I think part of the reason why life gets so like drab and boring and, 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 and we get, you know, is because we can't see the things of God, right? It's one thing to say you have vision and, and outlook and whatnot, but man, when you start to connect with God and God starts to tell you the things he's excited about and God's excited, God's excited because he knows what's going to happen around the bend. God's excited because he knows what's going to happen next year. God's excited because he knows what's going to happen after the pandemic. God's excited because he knows what's going to happen in your life, in this society, in this culture, you know, in the next five, ten years. And so we're kind of stuck here, but God is saying, come on, come over here, come, come see this, come see what I'm doing. And God asks us to have faith like a child and trust in the Father. And so, so let me just say this one last time. He must increase, but I must decrease. That is, that is the call, that is the charge. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. What is it that you're grasping onto? What is it that you can't let go? What is it that's, that's keeping you up at night? What is it that just has been consuming you? I invite you as a child of God, as a son and a daughter of God this morning to pray this prayer. 
He must increase, I must decrease. What is it? What is it that you're contending for? What is it that, that you're, 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 you're striving for? He must increase, I must decrease. And I feel that the Holy Spirit's going to give you even very practical, very, very simple and practical applications for you to live out uh, even in this day. Um, let's bow our heads. Um, Lord, we just thank you this morning. And as we see, as Nicodemus was kind of checking out Jesus from a distance, um, as even John the Baptist and the disciples, having this conviction and this knowledge, but yet hasn't yet translated, and even them to, to a degree are observing Jesus from a distance. And Lord, many of us, there was a time where we were observing from a distance. And then you made that call. God, somehow, and we know it's not easy. We, we, we think it's automatic, but we know it's not easy. Somehow, God, you make that call and something in our spirit connected. And Lord, we called out and we cried out and we asked you to be the Lord of our life. And so, Lord, we just recommit this morning. Whatever it is, as believers, as sons and daughters, we're at what area, all, any areas of our life, Lord, we just come before you this morning and we just want to recommit and say, Jesus, that you must increase and I must decrease. In our homes, in our families, you must increase, I must decrease. In, in, in Solomon's porch, in, in the ministry, as, as pastors, as house church leaders, uh, as leaders of ministries, as members of ministries, as, as, as people who are gifted, he must increase and I must decrease. In the marketplace, in places of influence, he must increase and I must decrease. When people praise me, I must be modest, humble, and point to the Heavenly Father. For all things good come from him. Lord, we thank you, Father. Um, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Uh, let's respond in, a, in our hearts.